This is Drake Callender, and you've been listening to the Inner Mammy Podcast. Tighten up. Let's tighten up. Let's get this rust off. Let's get this rust off. Morgan, shake off your sleepy eyes. All the sleep in your eyes. I know you've been pulling that that all nighter flight over here. How, how was that? How was that red eye, by the way? Uh horrible. I I hate red eyes. They're like the most effective use of time, but they're the worst thing on the planet because you don't sleep on red eyes. You know, especially when it's only four hours long, you just don't sleep on them. I thought the whole premise was so you could sleep on them. You you just don't, especially when I had this dude that just absolutely reeked in the seat in front of me, mm. and I, every time I took like a breath in, it was just like I was fucking choking. Like bo or like yeah. yeah, no, like bo. The dude just reeked. Mm. 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 All right, people. Well, let's let's get you in a slightly better mood because it is time finally. A little delayed here, but it is time to kick off this 2024 season of the Inter Miami podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the IMPC. I am Jay Kington, joined by Mr. IMCF Traveler. We call him Trav, even though Trav's not even his real name, but whatever, it works. And uh, Mr. Caden DeLisa, journalist extraordinaire, editorial manager extraordinaire Ooh. hope i didn't butcher that title no, no. the leader of the hot leaks and the uh somehow always in Messi's pocket how are you boys doing tonight i'm good doing, doing fantastic <laughs> <laughs> um you know we're back underway in the mls season so i can't complain um ready for the yeah ready for the games ahead and are you well rested morgan well rested oh god far from it uh a good old uh, red eye flight from LA to get back right after the match. So now I'm on maybe two hours of sleep since Friday. So I'm feeling great, obviously. Gonna have a great day at work. I know it. And uh, with a very uh, happy heart, with arms wide open, like Creed and circa. 2001, I believe. We are thrilled to welcome back the prodigal son, the unit of a man himself. We are talking about Mr. Than Harrington is back from handling that business as every man's got to do. Happy to have you back on the show, my friend, my colleague, my brother, Than. How are you doing, man? It has been a Long time has been too long. How are you? How have you been? Give us, give the world the update they deserve. Well, I'm, I'm a little pissed at you. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I disappeared for six months and my social media accounts that I worked so hard on all got nuked. So I'm starting from ground zero and I'm really not thrilled. Yeah. Trav, you had a minor, a minor part to play in that and that's okay. But I, I'm back. I still don't no, know. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I tried to manage the Twitter, but everybody sees my Twitter, and that is just endless me trying to pick fights with people. So I, I tried to limit it on the podcast Twitter. 
I don't know what happened, Than. I do not know what happened. It just it just yeah. happened. One day. I'm twenty. I'm twenty five. I don't touch Facebook and Instagram. Like that's out of my realm. I'm over here handling my stuff, handling my stuff, doing what I can. And I roll over, look at my phone, and said, "Hey, we lost Instagram. R.I.P." I'm like, "What do you mean? How did you lose that?" It was literally just put a picture in, do a little, do something a little fun, and send it off. It was the Ronaldo so, fans. It had to have been the Ronaldo fans. It's the only thing I can. It must have been. I think Ronaldo. They, I think they organized, made enough complaints somehow. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't care if it was Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Rendaldo. <laughs> I'm not overly happy with you guys, but no jokes aside, I'm doing well. You know, things are turning around here. Finally, living the uh, daylight over here. Uh, back off third shift. Riley's playing on two teams now, so I'm doing double the running. And, uh, yeah, just glad this MLS season's back, ready to start talking some football and doing a little bit of travel and catching the boys play. I'm, I'm ready to get back to the normal life. We're back full swing. And, you know, again, sorry to all the listeners for the delay. We had to organize. I had to get married, so that finally happened. Um, slight mm. slight delay here. But the good the, the part I'm most excited about is that we, we can just go skip right over that, that stupid preseason world tour, that money grab. That let's get Farias injured. Let's get Kermashi injured. Injured. Uh, Sergio's still injured with his rubber ankle, probably. But uh, Than, just just because we're touching on it, why don't you elaborate a little bit more on um, what's going to be coming down the pipe this year in terms of social media? So we are back on Facebook. I know it's not everybody's favorite platform, but we're definitely back on there. Some folks don't have the others. We relaunched Instagram again. Really salty about that. Twitter's going strong. We have launched a TikTok where I will be doing uh, pre-match commentary and post-match hot takes. And then uh, we may, if I can get you on board with it, we may be launching a YouTube. So uh, we got some good stuff going on here. Uh, I'm not going to be disappearing, so you guys can't mess with it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. Yep, yep. And, and next week I think we're all four going to get together in person and coordinate a uh, TikTok dance for the fans. I already got one. I bought booty jean shorts. I got some stilettos. But in order for that to happen, Messi's got to score twice. Ooh, so, ooh. yep. They yep. bought some hoochie daddy shorts. Hey, so, the best part about me being back is only fans is back, baby. Do you have something lined up? This, this we might. Oh, my goodness. We Full might. Surprises. Well, Man, uh, we're going to do a TikTok dancing at Band from Facebook and Instagram like right away again. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're gonna see. We're gonna see. We'll just keep evolving different, different iterations of it. But um, happy to have you back, buddy. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We've uh, we've missed you. The fans have missed you, and we're looking forward to this season. The first full season of, I guess, Messi Mania continues and his old friends. So um, we're gonna get into uh, all things relevant. We do have a little bit of of uh, catching up to do, but. Um, Man, we're gonna have a good time. Um, all righty, wherever my notes went, who knows where they went? I lost them. Oh well. Um, let's go ahead and uh, let's start very, very high level here. There were obviously some moves in and moves out that that we can cover, but let's just go to kind of the the piece that I feel like most fans are kind of most excited about as that new season approaches, and that is New Year new kit and we got something 
that I feel like it's kind of divided in terms of the kit, the the in together kit. Yet another shade of pink. I believe that's a new shade of pink in all five seasons now. So, me personally, I'll be quick. Then I'll let you guys go. I don't like the the centralized design pattern of the crest um, sponsor, you know, chest sponsor and all that. Uh, it just, uh, yet again, another year I'm disappointed with Adidas. I feel like they have a chance to really capitalize on the, the massive legend walking God that is messy. And they just, you know, love to under deliver well before he was here, but even when he's here, this kid's kind of a uh, kind of whack. Caden, what are your thoughts? Not the biggest fan of it. <clears throat> with the, like you, I'm not you know not in love with the centered logo sponsor, you know, all in one kind of kind of line. Um, I think there you can make it look decent, as we've seen with with Portland's kit this year. I believe it's their third one with the kind of foliage on the perimeter of the, the front. I think that looks really nice. I think LA Galaxy's looks okay. Um, you know, even as far back as when Manchester City kind of started doing this a couple of years ago. I'm sure there are teams before them, but that's the one I can remember off the top of my head. They can't see Thane, but he's shaking his head. I do want to point this out. <laughs> thought it looked pretty bad then. Still think it looks pretty bad. I did see them in person for the first time two weeks ago, I want to say. Um, made me like it a little less. I know There's no you know texture to the design. Um, it's just this kind of austere salmon pink. that I don't know. doesn't do anything for me. I'm not a fan. It's not provocative. doesn't get you worked up. doesn't. I know the man who's got the cleanest mouth in the entire IMPC universe, Morgan, has some very kind, loving words to say. Uh, I, I hate it with passion. Uh, it, you know, I think that, you know, it's something that I bought in the yellow lot last season for $25 out of the back of a Nissan Altima. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's horrible. You know, there's nothing creative about it. It's, you know, three stack logos in the middle of the chest, and that's it. Now, at least, you know, credit to Portland and, you know, my main man, Phil Neville. Uh, you know, they were able to pull it off because they put a pattern around the edges, and, you know, that helps it make clean, you know, make it look clean, make it look interesting. Miami literally took a pink t shirt, you know, a darker, different color pink than we've had every other season, because we have to change that every year for some god awful reason. And threw three logos on it, including a sponsor logo that's bigger than our own crest, and said, "You guys go, have fun. Uh, you know, this should be really easy for the uh, Adidas Chinese sweatshops to make." Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that that would be Thad laugh. Thad had a comment in response to that, I so it, it's great. So you know, the viewers, you guys can't see this because we're all on video. Fan literally was about to say something that I made my Chinese sweatshop uh, comment, and he just started busting out laughing. Go ahead, Than. What do you, What do you have to say? They will be seeing this on video soon. <laughs> that, that that is coming very soon, to where you you're going to see the real time live reactions without probably as much editing as we could do. So you're going to get real and raw. Fan, I, you're I, you're I, grinning I, over there. What's your 
do it. Bury him. I, I can't. I can't follow that up. I can't. Like I, I really can't. Um, you know, I I agree. I hate them. I don't hate them as much as what we saw in the EPL a while back, where I had like city on the front of it across the chest and words, and it just looks like a T-shirt. That's pretty much what this is. I mean, you look across the league. Some some teams got really sweet kits, like Minnesota's this year. The Northern Lights, mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, I actually do like LAFC's uh, striped black and gold. I can I can get after that. Uh, but can, can can we talk about can we talk about Orlando City real quick? No. Like like no. Hold on. Hold well, on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Like like. Oh, the baby, tenth baby, anniversary, cat. Ba- baby, what you doing? First, you name your stadium, mm. Inner and Co. And I'm looking at the jersey. And, and, and tell me, boys, you can't really see it that well, but is that not like a pinkish with a with a darker pink? Like, hey, what are you doing? Do you, yeah, I so think... it's, a, it's a pink with red stripes, red and what looks like to be gray around the cuffs. And then the badge itself is three lions with red and purple. Yeah, I think uh, Taylor Twelman pointed it out. He was like... This jersey's so weird because depending on the lighting, it's a shade of white, it's a shade of pink, it's a shade of purple, depending on what lighting it's in. So, yeah. you know, or, Orlando City's just trying to become Inner Miami of the North, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would prefer that they didn't do that because it's Orlando shitty and nobody likes Orlando. The only thing I will say, and I've seen this one in person, is at least we are not the Union. They have our style where it is Adidas, the Union, and then a giant bimbo across their chest. And then behind it is a giant strip of Argyle down the center of their body. I liked it. I thought it looked nice. Yeah, I mean, the sponsor is a little bit unfortunate, but that's been the case for a few years now. Artisan. What was the one they had before Artisan? Those, those was it like Pepperidge Farms or something like that? <laughs> no, it was Bimbo. They went. They were. They were Bimbo. Then they put the Artisano, oh, and then they went Bimbo. But the Artisano was fantastic because it had that electric blue and yellow kit. It, it popped. We've just get a continual different shade of pink, as we've already pointed out. So can I say? So, my favorite from this year was Seattle. Seattle yeah. knocked out the Crest rebrand, and that jersey is just classic and clean. Like that is that is job well done. I really like the the Northern Lights one as well. I think that one's really sick. Um, and then you know you come to ours. Just hey, give them pink. Give them a unilateral centralized. I don't know. It's ugly. Like I'm I'm not in a rush to buy that. Uh, my so, favorite part of our kit is their whole. Uh, the stitching is a M unique to every jersey. It's like no, n- no, they they fucked up when they were stitching it, and they were like, ah, oh, shit, how do we sell this? Uh, it's an M, guys. Like you have to put it under a microscope, but it's an M. We promise. I zoomed There's up on the fabric to see, and I couldn't see it either. Fan, go ahead. Yeah, no. What I was gonna say is the one that I I, I like probably just as bad as the Union. I would say is the Red Bull one. If you look really? at the Red Bull one, it looks like it's got like a bunch of zigzags down there. And it reminded me of my heart rate after I took two scoops of pre-workout and slammed the monster before I hit into the gym. <laughs> I'm like, ah, that's what my doctors see on a regular basis. Okay, cool. I got this. Yeah. I should have introed you as the only man in the podcast I can bench 400 pounds. Uh, 475, but thank you. <laughs> I was way low. I was way yeah. low on that. Ooh, well, I think ooh. I got around so, up to 500. Yeah, yeah. Get five hundred, Than. You're weak. 
My bad. I'll just go cry in the corner now. Can we move on before I get roasted? Yeah, we're gonna move on. We're gonna we're gonna spin it back your way and rotate back around. Thoughts on the new stadium name? Does Chase Stadium sound anything remotely as cool as Dry Pink? I mean, it sounds like it's I, Americanized. I was not a fan of Drive Pink, especially the the stylization DRV PNK. I just thought it looked kind of kind of dumb. Um, That's out hmm. of line. It's out of line. All right, That's let's hear let's hear your take. Let's hear, let's hear your side of it. I, I hate. I, I don't like Chase Stadium. It's it's it. Oh, yeah, it's not Drive great. Pink made yeah. sense because we we pink is is in our color. AutoNation is a local. Uh, you know, organization or at least headquartered here. Like, I drive pink was, I feel like, the way to go. DRVPNK, that's on their license. But it's, it's the whole marketing scheme, Kate, and you got to buy into the whole. No, no, I get it. You know, if they, if they want to do the whole pink thing, they might as well spell out the word. They got three fourths of it. Where's the, where's the last? We're point? limited to six characters on license plates down here. I don't, I don't know. You, you, you done moved up to Chicago where they're probably of 18. Who knows? Than how much do you love Chase Stadium? I genuinely despise it. It's very Americanized. You can say Chase Stadium, but we've talked about six other stadiums. It's like Mercedes-Benz Stadium or the Caesar Dome or something. Like you, you just have a thousand of these stadiums across all different facets of sports. Name that. Why couldn't we do, I don't know, something different? Or just keep draft pick. I would be like, more on board like Chase Coliseum or like something cooler than just stadium. Like I like what about? What about the Thunderdome? The the Thunderdome. The Chase Thunderdome. Um, I I think the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder would like to have a little chat with you there, Than. That's fine. I can take them all on. It's okay. All three of them? Shy. I don't know. Shy's got reach. Shy's got reach. Um, Yeah, but I got that dog in me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is Chase Stadium supposed to carry over into the new stadium, the Freedom Park location? I hope not. So from what I've heard, the deal ends this like when we're supposed to move to Miami Freedom Park, mm. and th- then Miami Freedom Park is going to be a whole new world of bidding. Maybe, maybe because I know they tried like two or three times on the Heat Arena. Maybe Bang Bros finally comes through. That'd be awesome with their, with their stadium <laughs> naming rights, dude. I know the city was like, "Nah, we can't let that happen." You got to let that happen. That would have been the most fitting name for our stadium this year because you walk in there and it's like, well, I'm only walking in here because I got fucked on ticket prices. So <laughs> uh, at least Enough now next. it's getting filmed. At least Enough Morgan next, makes me Lilo Messi on a Brazzer corner. Oh, goodness. Brazzers <laughs> with the shirt sponsor. At least I'm happy that I marked these episodes as, as explicit when we have Morgan come on. <laughs> <laughs> I am fan. It used to I, be, know, I, know, I know. It used to be me. Hey, man, can you stop cussing? No, nah, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I just apologize to the kids later. Show. I'll re-rotate between family show and not family show every other episode. It just depends on our on our mood, really. And I heard that, um, what, I think Dry Pink was about $3 million a year, and then they upped it because why not make all the money you can off Mep- off Messi, right? We're already milking that cow till it falls yeah. over and dies. So at $3 million, and then the Chase deal was like $32 million. So you're looking at essentially a, a little over a 10x on the, the amount you're charging for your, you know, 21,000-seater stadium now. That's also what I heard. Another little tidbit about the AutoNation deal that I recently found out um, – they, the reason for the stylization of Drive Pink, you know, DRV, PNK, is because um, contractually um, they couldn't, MLS or any MLS affiliates or subsidiaries, whatever, 
can't use any other automaker's name in any kind of branding purposes because they have that deal with Audi. Oh, that makes sense. That makes so it sense. It can't be, you know, AutoNation Stadium or AutoNation. I Auto believe Nation. in America we call that a monopoly. <laughs> the dollar rule is all. I don't know what to tell you. We're not going to get into capitalism versus communism, not three versus one. So. <laughs> Let's keep whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I got accused of being on your side today, Jay, so we could just go in and 2v2 this. I don't, I don't know if it's so much accused as just laid out in, in fine print. Yeah, you know, I, I just came back from California. I'll go all in on the capitalist versus communist argument. <laughs> all right. It's a sporting podcast, not a political podcast. Duh, comrade. We do that on Thursdays. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. And put away your Antifa flag. I see it in the back. Whoa, that is a outline. I can't wait till we get on YouTube so I can see that big American flag. But that's also a lie. It's literally just some curtains. Um, So we did have some movement, right? We did have transfers in, transfers out, as expected. We've known all of us have been pretty well aware of kind of deficiencies on the team and uh, areas we need more... Uh, more bodies, if you will, more depth. Uh, but we did have some 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 movement. Um, obviously, Victor Yoya actually just officially announced his, announced his retirement, I think like a week ago or something like that. He is no longer with the team. He uh, still wish his storyboard arc was completed with that, uh, if he would have made that penalty against Nashville in, in the Leagues Cup final. But we also you know, lost Emerson, uh, our boy, much love to Chris McVay, um, what was that two years ago? Most minutes on the team, absolute stud back there for us. But so what happens when you bring in all these other, uh, you know, players from Europe or big name players, you can oftentimes find yourself in a back seat. One that kind of surprised a lot of us was Kamal Miller. Uh, I mean, we did get a great deal off him. Uh, did need to free up some, from some gam and some cap space, international spots, all that. And then of course, everyone's probably where we lost, uh, Joseph Martinez, but Hey guys, we added Luis Suarez, Julian Gresser, Julian Gressel, and uh, we got a rumor. Uh, it's pretty much official now, but we'll get to that after these ones. So, just on that, those first initial in and outs, which one, which one are you? Uh, were you most happy to see either in or out? And and what were you most upset to see, either either in or out? And then go ahead and start us off. Well, I think we all know which one I was least happy to see. Um, yeah, I was not a fan of Luis Suarez for many, many years. And to see him actually and a team I have to support is oh, it's tough. Uh, anytime he pops up on the TV, my wife makes like fake vomit noises and booze. It's it's been a real struggle these past two games. Um, I think the departure that hurt me the most was Kamal. I like I, I like Kamal, you know, we we're from the same area. Um, he knew a lot of the same spots I knew just from being up in upstate New York. Uh, he was overall great dude, fantastic person to interact with. Uh, don't think anybody on the team had a negative thing to say about him. And, you know, without giving away too much of what we're about to discuss, we're kind of seeing, you know, the back line missing him right now a little bit, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Morgan, who hurt you the most, buddy? Show me on the, the, Teddy Bear, where uh, Tata uh, Martino hurts you the most. Well, Tata Martino just hurts my soul and will to live. But, uh, you know, I, I think losing Kamal was an un, kind of an unnecessary, you know, move that we made. 
I think that, you know, Miami easily could have freed up cap space by not signing Luis Suarez and not had to move their star center back. I think Julian Gressel in time is going to be a good signing once Tata Martino gets his head out of his ass and, you know, plays him where he belongs. Uh, I think Luis Suarez is <laughs> laughable. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, there's nothing I really liked about this offseason, you know, other than, you know, maybe... No, no, there's nothing I liked about this offseason. I hated this entire offseason. Well, at least he's honest, I guess. Fairly blunt, straight to the point. Caden? Um, I'm just going to echo. Yeah, every every trip around the sun brings me a bigger and bigger disdain for Luis Suarez. I wish he never was signed. Um, especially because I'm a uh, Campana apologist, and I will always be one. I think he's the best striker on the team. I think he's the best striker in franchise history. Ooh. By on the field performance, um, Gonzalo Higuain feels that. Let me clarify for Miami. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about Gressel. I know he hasn't looked fantastic the first two games, but you know, we know what he's capable of. We know his skill set is kind of what Miami needs, especially in crossing into the box. Um, hopefully, to a beautiful Campana header. Um, that's that's a conversation for another day. Um, it's a conversation yeah. for about 15 minutes. Just wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm excited about Gressel. Suarez stinks. Although, I will I will say this. I did see a tweet today that said, um, speaking to, to the point that we're talking about now, um, Suarez started pretty slow in the Brazilian league last year. I think it was in his first 15 games. He had four goals and four assists, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. that correctly. And he kind of gained his momentum, turned down a little bit as the season went on. I'm curious to see if maybe he's just in a little bit of an adaptation period here. Um, but I think just by pure skill set, at the respective points in the career, I think Campana is very clear of Suarez and should be getting the majority of the minutes. I just think Tata is too big of a coward to actually bench him. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I would have figured Sunday was the prime like the prime game for, for Campana to start especially considering that Suarez went, did he go 90 or almost 90? About the full game on, on the Wednesday opener against Real Salt Lake. Um, mm-hmm. I got, what, 20, maybe 30 minutes. So I hope that's something that will change throughout the season. We're going to talk about those knees. Don't worry in that, that, that strange line. But, yeah, I forget who it was. Someone mentioned, I guess someone who watches uh, the Campeonato Brasileiro Serie A quite often. Was said, I think it was eight games before he really started, like, picking up and kind of, grasping the, the the team and the the chemistry there so i mean we'll see like it's hard to argue with his resume but it's also easy to argue with his age and kind of the it's a it's a polarizing figure some people love him i feel like most people hate him you know and, and that's just the the, the kind of I guess way it goes just to be contrarian here i'm gonna go the one that that hurt me the most I don't know if it hurt me the most, but the one I was kind of sad about is that that young, you know, you look over in that that field and you just see that that wild Bronco just bucking up and down, refusing to be tamed, refusing to listen, refusing to fit in and do what he's told. And and for me, that was that was Emerson, right? I, I, I do I miss Emerson. I think that he had quite a bit of potential in the the right with the right coaching staff and the right system to kind of get him under control because he had moments of brilliance he just always blew it kind of in that, that that final third setting but um that one that one hurt I mean obviously uh 
Kamala as, as well. I know there's a lot of people that are down on Gressel, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But um, just giving someone who has that kind of standing in the league, the results he's had, the resume he has. Um, Kate, I think you and I were talking maybe a week ago or something, you know, and you mentioned like, you know, the Vancouver stint wasn't that great, but like, you know, Vancouver's kind of been a struggle bus for, for years now. So, uh, I don't think that was a good showing. It's certainly not a good showing to start and, you know, kind of playing him in a position he can play, but not really what he's most comfortable in, which is that right wing back. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving him time. I'm going to give him a, a lot of games. You know, I think, <sighs> in you know month and a half two months you know eight ten games 12 games into the season we're going to see kind of really a more um i guess conclusive uh, idea of where each of these players stand and, and and where they fit in but uh the moves weren't over we caught one i think it was the night of the uh new old boys uh the last preseason match which again we're just going to skip over that whole only in one game and spin the world tour and get messy paid 25 million, almost get sued by the Hong Kong government. We're not going to get into that whole thing, but um, something that I think hurt a lot of fans and one that wasn't on this list just for particular reasons, because I'm sure it would have been everyone's transfer out that they hated, but our Capitan, Mr. Gregory, um, the pit bull of the defense, uh, you know, he, he goes, uh, to Botafogo, um, that one was tough, but you understand, like, when the rumors were coming in about Federico Redondo, and it just wasn't feasible from a cap space, from a compliance standpoint. And we knew there were going to be some moves that we probably didn't really love to see as fans, but the hype on Redondo is is pretty high. He's a, a young kid, high energy. We already know that if you can surround Messi with people that will run for him, then you can uh, you can have success there. But RIP to Gregory, man. I sure will miss him. And I'm honestly not sure where Mota fits into this picture now that Gregory's gone. I feel like they were kind of like that package deal. Like they played well together. I, you know, they're both acquired in relatively the same same time. And now we're seeing Mota. Not, I don't, I'd be surprised to see Mota star maybe in like some of the, the cup games or obviously we're going to take an onslaught of additional games this season. But uh that one stung me a bit, Caden. Do you feel the uh, the same? You happy to see him go? What are your thoughts? No, it's definitely sad to see him go. Um, you know, I think he's shown he's very defensively capable for, for Miami. Um, I remember before he got hurt last year, the first two games of the year, we won due in part to his defensive capabilities and performance on the pitch. Um, although I do want to spin one potentially hot take by you, guys. Um, not mine. I saw it on Twitter that um, – I forget who it was. One of, one of the media people said – upon his selling that he, as of now, can go down as one of Inter-Miami's best players all time. Granted, we're talking four years. Um, I'm curious what your guys' take on that. I'm not opposed to it, but I don't know. Four years isn't a huge sample size, so I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to throw out that that title. Well, talking about we Gregor. all know. Gregory, well, yeah. We all know. The number one's Lewis Morgan. There's no, it's by far number one. Let's get that over with. I don't know. Robbie Gregory is kind of edging out my Morgan love at this moment. Morgan, you are on thin ice. Do not wag your finger at me <laughs> over Lewis Morgan. All right. Two, we got to go with David Norman Jr. Oh, that's the, yep. <laughs> DNJ, baby. Two. DNJ, baby. Legend. Yep. Yep. DNJ. 
Three is Mikey Ambrose. All right, we're we're right there. We're right there. Arguably the and greatest then, goal in club history. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. And then Gregory, and and you know, he was. For me, I was I was definitely upset. I we all saw it coming. Writing on the wall. Uh, you know, last time I saw him play was when he got hurt, and I kind of had to shield Riley's eyes as he's going past us uh, on the stretcher out of Yankee Stadium. And Riley's like, "What do you do?" I said, "Nothing good." I promise you that much. <laughs> um, I loved watching him play. He'd get right in people's faces. He would make that tackle that needed to be made. He would run forward when he needed to. Um, and and right now, you know, I said the same thing about Kamal. But right now, we're starting to see the lack of Gregory on the field, mm-hmm. uh, due in part to he, you know, being the linchpin, but also being a lot more mobile than what we currently have. Um, until we get the right pieces in play and the injuries that we currently have get resolved. I think we're greatly going to miss that. Agreed. I think that's, uh, that's very fair. All right, Morgan, who, who's your top player in club history since you're grinning over here? The man, the myth, the absolute legend, like build him a statue outside of Miami Freedom Park. I'll br- bring him home. It, 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 you know, I'll, I'll trade Messi for him one for one. Indiana Vasilev. Oh, yeah, that's obvious. We should have seen that coming. Indiana Vasilev scored the most clutch goals in club history. It was just a great all-around guy. Best friends with my man Bryce Duke. Mm. Just Indiana Vasilev. He's number one. Mikey Ambrose, number two. Gregory, number three. Lewis Morgan, number four, just because I I feel like he kind of gets buried in those dog days of those first two crap years. And he's gone on to be even better in uh, New York. So I, I love myself, Lewis Morgan, first kid I ever got. But mm-hmm. Indiana Vasilev, just the most clutch player on the planet. I feel like that's most of us. And to the, your point, like anyone that leaves here goes to do well. So Than Chris McVeigh is going to be probably all star quality this year. What you got? Yeah, and and Morgan, just a heads up because you disrespected Lewis like that. I'm beating you up when I come down. Ooh. Please, I'm into that. Ooh. Oh boy, <laughs> this is our Friday <laughs> show, not our Monday show, boys. <laughs> I am, I am so excited to see Emil Forsberg and Lewis Morgan controlling that midfield for the Red Bulls. I, I obviously wish him the best of luck. I, I think we all do. While while we're also on this hype up X players train, because Morgan. I know you're, you're, you've been dying to get off your chest. Go ahead and give the old gaffer some love. Oh, man, my man Phil Neville, just absolute beast. He's better than Tata Martino. He he can outcoach Tata Martino in his dreams. You know, I, I think, you know, Jay and Than, you know, you guys both have kids. I think that your, you know, kids' coaches could probably outcoach Tata Martino. Uh, you know, but Phil Neville, uh, it, you know, we're recording this uh the day after the first weekend of matches, four to one victory with Portland. They just utterly dominated that crap Colorado team. He's beloved by the fans there. That is my manager. He is my man. Phil Neville, best coach Inter Miami's ever had. Firing him, the biggest mistake. You know, this team would be the best team in MLS history. We'd already be two and zero by like a thirty goal margin. And there goes the press pass. <laughs> this man is on is on fire tonight. So Morgan, is Redondo the right move for the club? Uh, if you're going to bench Boosie, yeah. And we're gonna uh, I mean, Boosie, so let's not crush Boosie it, yet. We're gonna, there's going to be that moment. It, I promise you. It, 
you know, Redondo is kind of that one-for-one one replacement for Gregory in terms of a number six who can you know, play the ball, make a tackle, all of that. The issue is, is that he's, you know, what, 20, 21 years old? So unlike a Gregory who was, you know, older and experienced and knew the position, knew how to play it, there's going to be growing pains with Redondo. We're going to see matches from him where he just has howlers or gets sent off or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, but long term, he's probably out of the U twenty two signings since we have five of them. Uh, he's probably the most promising out of all five of those. Well, and and to that point, we have to acknowledge the fact that allegedly there were some big name teams after his signature. Uh, Bayern apparently was after it at one point. United, I believe, Chelsea, I believe, Liverpool. Arsenal were all chasing this kid down. Uh, AC Milan and Real Madrid, where his father both played, had at least some minor linkage to him. So the talent's there. It's just going to be if we can get the right personnel around him to bring it out, in my personal opinion. Caden, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up as well. Um, You know, a lot of the pushback that we've seen to, towards the, the, the Inter Miami Barca retirement squad kind of line has been the, the younger guys that the club has, either has or has been bringing in. I, you know, Ruiz, Kronoski, Sunderland, to be Redondo. Um, <clears throat> but that, that begs the question all these guys have probably European aspirations. What happens when one, two, maybe three of them get sold? Where does the club go from there? And that's, that's my kind of concern. And it's why I probably wasn't thrilled at Gregory being sold because he had a you know a sense of longevity in the midfield. Busquets probably, hopefully, will be done after this season. Um, so it just give it just gives question to what the midfield looks like moving forward after this year or two years from now, uh, depending on on when he does inevitably get sold. Yeah, we could see some midseason moves as well. That's true. Well. And talking about not being sold, let's go ahead and just jump right into the matches that we have to cover, starting off with RSL. Uh, you know, my boy, I called it. There's text proofs. Robbie Taylor got on the board first to open up the 2024 Inter-Miami goal account. And Diego Gomez knocked one through when we uh, thought we might be heading towards another 1-1 draw after some beautiful link-up play. Uh Morgan, what did you like? What didn't you like from the RSL match? What what are a couple of key points for you? You know, for me, I think that Miami played well in that match, but it was less because Miami played well and played to their potential and more because RSL couldn't figure it out. And, you know, worse, we've seen, and, you know, we'll get to the LA Galaxy game in a second, uh, that there's a way to beat this Miami team and make life uncomfortable for them. RSL didn't do that until, you know, probably, you know, the like 30th or 40th minute. And, you know, then on to about the 70th minute. Now, I think that for the first 30 minutes, Messi looked lively. Robert Taylor looked lively. Diego Gomez looked lively in the middle. Our defense held together. You know, there was, a lot to like early on, but after those first 30 minutes, Miami kind of collapsed and, you know, really struggled to progress the ball. They struggled to progress through the middle. 
you know, they seem to always be looking for Messi or Suarez or Busquets. And once clubs see that and they say, all right, Miami's just going to get to the final third, wait for Messi or Suarez to show up and then try and get to one of them. They're going to do what RSL did and just stack the middle of the box and say, go ahead, try. Oh, and Robbie Taylor's goal came from the first time that, you know, they went, they attacked, and they didn't wait for reinforcements to show up. They just got up the field, took a shot, scored. That's a yeah, valid it should, point. It should be noted that if you didn't watch the match, Robert Taylor's goal probably should have been saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I looked away in disgust thinking that it was you know, done and dusted, and I watched trickle on the back of the net. It's now my wallpaper. Greatest goal of 2024. No big deal. Um, Caden, what did you take away from Suarez's debut? Uh, clearly, we all have our own opinion about it. We already covered our own disdain for the man. Uh, but what did you take away from his his play, how he looked, how he tried to link up with the others, and what was the biggest warning signs for potential issues that you saw? You know, I will say, I, I will give him his credit where it's due. Against RSL, he did have his moments where he looked effective. I, he picked up an assist on Gomez's goal, I believe. Um, so, you know, credit where it's where it's due. Um, but he, as we've all noted, it's he's just slow. He looked immobile. He looked like he was in pain when he was running. It looked like a deer that had been hit by a car and scampered off into the woods. Mm. Um, I've yeah. Done that. I've been <laughs> to, that, I mean, to that point, I think that lack of mobility is not exclusive to Suarez and just especially the attacking presence of of Inter Miami, but the team as as a whole and and a broader scope, RSL and LA Galaxy both kind of wrote in tandem the blueprint to beat or at least be competitive with Miami. You know, in that first half where Miami looked a little dominant, RSL was giving them the space on the ball. They weren't pressing. They were allowing them to make the moves. I think Inter Miami had 65% of the possession about 20 minutes in. Um, whereas, you know, LA Galaxy rolled out a, a completely opposite game plan. They pressed from the get-go. They had a, a, a goal within the first two minutes that was disallowed, whether rightfully or wrongfully, but generated from a, from a high press. Um, so I think other teams are going to take note of that. And and if you have players like Busquets and Suarez and, you know, Kritsoff in the back line who are prone to being slow and not, not being so quick on the ball, um, it's going to spell trouble. Yeah, no, absolutely. We continued to see that trouble against uh, the LA Galaxy Sunday short turnaround. We were all worried about this. We had that monstrous world tour. We had a Wednesday game. And then, oh, hey, go ahead and play on Sunday while you're at it. Uh, Jay, what are some uh, highlights or takeaways you got from the LA Galaxy match? Uh, takeaway wise, I-, I agree with with Morgan. You know, I think RSL and Galaxy. Slightly different tactics, but kind of both effective. I think RSL was pressing more in the midfield. LA kind of sat back into to more of that low block. And um, RSL, while they would press, it would kind of fall back to, to that low block. And, you know, they're going to get all their bodies back there and say, beat me. Um, one thing I do like is that we're now playing. We're playing through the middle of the field, and we're comfortable doing that, probably just because we've got Alba Busquets and, and Messi. And Busquets kind of orchestrating everything uh, for midfield. It, it's much more... 
enjoyable uh, ball to watch than just, you know, kick it to the wings and then cross and inshallah, you know, just hope someone can get ahead too, which honestly like rarely ever works out, right? We've never been a great crossing team until Messi. We've never been a great set piece team. Um, but I think that's going to be a problem. I think teams will just sit there in the low block and then the glaring thing, especially in the LA Galaxy game is, and to your point of the, the Robbie Taylor goal, right? He took that right away. He had no second thoughts in his mind. He got that ball, and he said, I'm just going to rip this as hard as I can across the face of the goal. You know, slaps keeper in the gloves, bounces over, you know, what have you goes in. Then you transition over to the LA Galaxy game, and it's like every single player on that pitch, regardless of who it was, would get the ball in the final third, or more specifically, would get the ball in the box, and they're just up to try and find Messi. And I don't think that's the way to go about it. Yeah, you can win games like that. You can also lose games like that, especially at the end when, you know, our boy Campana we've been so so big on, so high on, when instead of ripping that shot to potentially get the win, the dying embers of the game decides to, to look for Messi. And um, that's just going to be a problem. If these, you know, having Messi is a great asset. He is arguably the greatest player of all time. We all know that. He's brought his friends you know, Suarez is probably comfortable shooting because he played with them. But if we're just going to, if every other supporting player is just only going to be a supporting player and not have that aggressiveness to go ahead and say, okay, I've got a good shot. I'm going to take it. Like Diego Gomez, props to him. He was at least taking some. But I feel like there was a lot of hesitation to actually shoot or be the one other than Messi. Like just feed the ball to Messi, feed the ball to Messi. And yeah, well, I can get through two or three defenders on any given day. He's also going to get double teamed all day. And I, I just don't think that's the strategy to come up with. Um, and I think if we continue that way, we're going to see some pain. But Than, I, I saw your your hand up. So are you do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts? I was screaming, like foaming at the mouth, screaming for Campana to shoot that ball. I was like, oh, my God, we're going to win. I woke the kids up. I was like, oh, here it comes. Here. And then he passes it back. And I was like, what are you doing? Shoot yeah. the ball. Like, it is basic use seven like if you were in the box take the shot have a rip Messi might be pissed at you so be it but you need to be the player you were that made inner miami at least a little attractive to somebody like Messi to come over right campana mm -hmm. needs to maintain the killer instinct that he had that made him arguably probably a pod favorite and a fan favorite because of what he does he goes out, he turns, shoot. Like, well, I forget what game it was. Somebody can correct me on this, but it was last year. There was a goal where he got it in the box and like mid-turn, he's already thinking shoot, and he just slams it, sneaks it past the goalkeeper, and in. I think it was the left post. Um, but like he he's gotta maintain that because we've seen Suarez can't do it. Like, I know I'm writing them off two games in, and I know it's easy for me to say screw him, but it's the truth. He can't do it right now. Like RSL, he was doing the, the old man senior shuffle, uh, 76 minute, and then probably halfway through the match against LA, he was in so much pain mm -hmm. like visible pain that rather than commentate on the game, Taylor Twelman is focused on Suarez face watch 2024 to analyze how much pain Suarez is in, Suarez is in, in any given moment. Yeah, I feel it's, like it's a double-edged yeah. sword, honestly, because Campana could turn, shoot that at Sadri, misses, and they're like, oh, this team's so bad. Messi's here to save this team. But, like, what's worse, 
shooting and missing a, a shot when you're basically open on goal or looking backwards and trying to thread a pass through a box with seven bodies in it. You know, oh, he's trash. You couldn't connect that pass. Like, I just, I think that's a losing scenario. And I, I just, I hope that moving forward, people realize, hey, I can score. I can be a top five goal scorer on this team. It does, I can be a top three. It doesn't just have to be Messi and Suarez and I don't know, Alba or, or, you know, Gomez. Like I can be that too. And, and once everyone's understands that everyone's responsible for, you know, being, I guess, present and playing their role and they're more comfortable taking that shot. I think that's when we start to see us really take off is when players get comfortable and don't feel like, Oh, I've got to look back, find out where Messi is and just pass the ball to Messi because it's just not a, not a winning strategy in my opinion. So flipping the field, Morgan, tell me what your thoughts were on Drake's recent performance against LA and RSL. And how do we see him evolving before our eyes as a better keeper uh, time and time again to potentially someone who's going to get called up for legitimate min minutes to the U.S. men's national team. Uh, before I go, I'm going to let the most handsome person in this chat, Caden, uh, speak because he had his hand up. I was I was just going to chime in and say that um, <clears throat> since we're on the top on the topic of the attack, kind of struggling to build any chemistry, I think it goes unsaid how big of a loss for the attack both Kramowski and Farias are, mm -hmm. especially in such short time frame. Those are two attack-minded players for the most part. Um, so I think those are two big outlets that the midfield especially is expecting to be able to utilize. Um, so I just wanted to have that input and, and say it to, you know, that those two injuries go a long way in, in, in the lack of chemistry. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you on that. Actually, you know, sidebar real quick. I had an interesting conversation with my wife of all people. I said, hey, let me get you a jersey. Who's your favorite player on the pitch? And she goes, you'll never guess it. And I'm like, all right, well, what do you got? My wife's favorite player out of all the stars we've got is Farias. It's not a bad out of the blue. It's a good and I'm and I so I texted her. I said, "So do you mean Diego Gomez?" And she goes, "No, no, no. The one that like the one that like really hurt his leg, yeah, Facunda Farias. Yeah, yeah. The one that's out like, the season. That's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like I was, I was like, are you sure it's not Kramaski or Robert Taylor? She goes, No, I'm not going to follow you. You like both of them. It's Farias. So fun. A lot of people miss him. My wife apparently I need to keep him or keep her about. 30, 40 feet away whenever we go to the match. But moving on, Drake calendar, Morgan, go. You know, I think Drake is evolving into, you know, we already knew that he was an elite shot stopper, and that is his strong suit. But we're seeing him, you know, through these two matches, you know, he's just becoming even better at that and becoming an even better shot stopper, you know, through two games, he has, I think, 3.1 goal uh, expected goals saved above average. In the entire MLS 2023 MLS season, that would have been good for seventh best in the league. He has that, be, you know, two games in this season. Wow. You know, so. Is he the you know, check of the MLS? Well, he wants to be good, so no. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with Dan on that one. Uh, and he doesn't wear that stupid cap. Uh, well, the man fractured his head, so I can understand that. But anyways. Manuel Neuer. I'm going to go with someone no one cares about. Is he the Manuel Neuer of the MLS? Well, you can't call him Manuel Neuer because Manuel Neuer could be, you know, a friggin' number 10 if he felt like it. You know, Drake Callen 
you know, Drake gets the ball at his feet, and you know, I I think you know Than's son could probably you know distribute it just as well. Oh, and, and that's not a knock against Drake Calendar. You know, we're increasingly seeing goalies that have to be able to play with the ball at their feet, and that's just the way that the position has evolved as. You know, the sport has relied on passes back to the keeper and then having the keeper distribute. But you kind of get one or the other. Like, look at Nick Marsman. Great at distributing the ball. Kind of a below average shot stopper. Mm. What would you rather have? A keeper who can't distribute, which, you know, we don't really need because we have Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba right there in front of the back line. Or a keeper who is going to let in some shots that they probably shouldn't. We don't talk enough well, about his approval, f- but go ahead then. I mean, about his improvement. To be fair, to be fair, we did not give Nick Marsman a shot after he gained his spider powers from that spider bite. So, like, we don't know what we really had. Uh, we just kind of ditched him by the wayside, and maybe we had another Spider-Man. Who knows? But trust me, I watched him when he went to, what was it, San Antonio? Uh, the only spider powers it gave him was probably you know an extra six inches down below that he didn't need mm-hmm. we are a family podcast here i love it I bdn he can shoot webs all over the place you know all right. uh, I, I encourage people to check out nick marsman's instagram it's the best thing on the planet all right very very lovely he's winning at life okay he's married to miss netherlands <laughs> no, I, don't, I didn't care when you got benched i was like he's going home the He's winning out of any other player on this team. Um, all right, so let's. W- what about the current state of this team, right? And let's talk about the the the, the ones that are buzzing the most, right? We got Gressel getting a lot of hate. I'm said I'm giving him time. We've got Busquets could still not be fully fit from his ankle getting completely cleated, but he's definitely seems to have slowed down tremendously even before his ankle got uh, injured. And then and then Suarez. I mean, what what are what are we seeing here? What are the most glaring issues on the current roster we have right now? What do you guys have seen through two games? And if you want to include anything in the preseason, you are more than welcome to. I think the biggest issue is that between a good three, four of our players, their social security funds can fund the entire construction <laughs> of the <team> stadium. <laughs> That's the issue. I mean, we're playing an MLS. It's not a skill-based league. It's an athleticism-based league. You can't have Kritsov, Busquets, Suarez out there. That's almost a third of your starting 11 who can't move. Like That's not a recipe for success. Well, and to tag on to that, uh, LA Galaxy defender Maya Yoshida made a very interesting point in the post-game presser after the uh, LA Galaxy match. And he said, you know, we felt comfortable playing out the back because Miami has two players that aren't going to press you. And, you know, it's something that a few people talked about prior to the season. And... It's that in this new era of football, you need to press across all three lines. You have your defensive line, your midfield line, and then your forward line. You need at least one of your forwards to try and press so that you can hopefully get a turnover in the midfield or in the attacking third. When Miami gives the ball up, you know, Suarez and, you know, Messi stop wherever they are and just chill out. And LA Galaxy at multiple times last night, you know, I was freezing cold watching this match. They would turn around and John McCarthy would roll the ball out and they've already cut out two or three of our players. 
and the galaxy would press all the way up the field and you know they'd have their entire defensive line at the halfway line before Messi and Suarez were even you know past midfield of the LA Galaxy's half and you can't defend like that you're not going to last an entire season like that because there's no pressure you know you're playing through one of our lines with no question and at times against the Galaxy it would be literally two passes and they're all the way up against our you know back defensive line and it's like they weren't even a, like I was surprised that they didn't prep more around the LA Galaxy counterattack with with Ricky Preach and uh, Jovalich. Like the, the, that team loves the counter, and there were times where, especially Ricky Preach was just running like like a madman through through the midfield and just completely taking over the game. It, it was. Uh, we we probably shouldn't have won that game. I think I can say confidently we we sh- should not have won that game. It could have very easily been three zero, and I mean to well, somehow get out of there with that wild outside boot left foot. I mean I know he's Messi's left footed, but that was a pretty wild shot to even s- save the point. I think if we're going to talk about wild though, we need to we need to wind it back and talk about that Delgado second yellow wasn't a yellow oh, or a yeah. foul or a. And anything like that well, was, you know, you well, at that point, years of premier acting in a high level league. And that's, that's, you know, that's what Boozy can do. We can rewind that all the way back to the penalty in the 10th minute. Sergio Busquets did not receive a yellow card for that penalty. Uh, in the stadium, they announced it as a Sergio Busquets yellow card. He got yellow carded, I believe, 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. I looked at the fans that I was there with and I'm like, that's, that's a red card. Did this referee just forget? Which, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get to later on. He did forget that Mark Delgado did receive a yellow card. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking about Julian Gressel. Props to Julian Gressel, who, per the official match report, received a yellow card for dissent. And that is the only reason that that referee forgot to then yellow card Sergio Busquets because Julian Gressel got in his face talked a ton of trash and you know this musical composer referee forgot to show Boosie the yellow card because he was too busy dealing with Gressel eating his head off. Yep. So, and Sergio Busquets should not have been on that field pass. Now, and this is as a unbiased referee. Sergio Busquets shouldn't have been on that field pass 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, he had multiple instances where he should have been you know, either sent off for the PK because that was borderline dog so. And if not, he should have had a second yellow by probably the 20th minute. And even then, by the 30th or 40th minute, he committed, I believe, five or six fouls. That's called persistent infringement. So Sergio Busquets shouldn't have been on that field. But I'm not going to crap too but much you, you on the referees. The ref warning Ricky Pouch because... He had three fouls, I think, in like the first ten minutes. So you saw him stop and talk to to Ricky, and just tell him to chill out. But then, like Sergio gets the pass, and that's the stuff that is going to lead to people perpetrating this conspiracy that the MLS is, you know, setting up this script for Inter Miami to win, you know, the the Shield and the MLS Cup. I thought the same thing as a fan of the club. I was sitting there going, "Wow, this is starting to." 
feel a little scripted here. All right. Because I, I aligned with Morgan. I was like, how is Boozy still on the field? Like, I, and I did not realize that Gressel got in the official's face until the, the announcers put it on TV. And I was like, oh, well, that must be why he didn't get it. But he definitely shouldn't have been on. Jay, why are you taking your shirt off? Are you getting really heated about this topic? Uh, no, it just feels more natural. I realize I have my shirt on. No, I felt bad, like I bad. was doing you guys a disservice <laughs> by keeping my shirt on. Yeah. Um, but no, going back to the, the state of the team, like we saw that any amount of pace is absolutely going to use and abuse us. Uh, you know, Pat Desil had his way down the side. And then when they inverted the wingers and brought Peck out in substitution, it was an onslaught. If we don't get that phantom yellow red, we, we very well should have given up another goal towards the end of the match to lose out 2 0. Um, oh. It's appropriate that Boozy has the Royal Caribbean crest on his chest because he looks like a docked cruise ship in the port of Miami. That's like he has no maneuverability anymore. He has some beautiful footwork. Don't get me wrong. I watched some of his footwork, the chops, the turns. Okay, cool. And then 15 minutes later, he's like he's struggling a tiny bit. And he did well in one-on-ones until it started to become a two-on-one and then a three-on-one. And then he was, I don't want to take away from the man, but it looked like he forgot all he's done and what he knows. And he was almost panicked thinking a two or three on one was coming when he only had one and he was going into poor decision-making uh, you know, mode and unfortunately costing us a lot. And he should have cost us a lot more. Yeah. I think Paintsville is going to be a problem for this league as well. I mean, that, 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 that dude looked, looked absolutely great. But Caden, what would you got, bud? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, another thing with Busquets that was pissing me off, especially in the first half, there were several instances where he would get a ball from the back line or from Drake <clears throat> to start the attack. And he would just stand there stationary with the ball. So then by the time he decides what he wants to do, all the, everyone's man-marked. Or he's got two guys, pre- actually two guys pressing on him rather than just the one like you were talking about, Ben. Um, I think I counted three times that it happened in the first 40 minutes, and we lost the ball all three times. It was infuriating. Yeah, and what are your what, what's everyone's thoughts on um, Alba having that little spat with Tata towards the end of the game, where they're going, you know, he, he's on the pitch, they're yelling at each other. I think that Alan announcer said that because he doesn't want to defend or something like that. But feed know, me I more. Feel, I could feel it, it boiling over a little bit. Give me more. I want more of that than I do. Woe is me moping on the field. Oh man, this isn't working out two games and we're having our struggles. No, give me more of that fight. I want to see that fight out of Leo and Boozy and, and Suarez. And that's the fight that not to go back in the episode, but that's the fight we're missing that Gregory would have brought. Fair enough. That's the fight that we need. If we are going to compete against some of the best in the East, let alone best in the league. And I think, uh, I think just, Kind of album and Messi taking taking it over at the very end of that game. I mean, what was it, like three, four passages back and forth between the two? Just like, nope, all right, whatever. We're, we're going to do this on our own. Well, and I think the fight that was kind of the funniest for me at the end of the match was Leo Messi coming up to uh, the musical composer referee and you know fighting with him and you know arguing with him after the match when th- that referee who oh has no top level. U.S. experience. You know, he's only done a handful of USL games. He's 
you know, a college referee. He's a guy who the night before was the fourth official for the LAFC match. Uh, he, he was assigned to our game because he was friggin' available. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that that's it. That's how I get assigned to youth games in South Florida. And, you know, that's what we have as referees right now in the MLS. And, you know, that's a whole different rant that I'll end with. No, MLS no, this is perfect. N- n- needs to pay the referees. Uh, you know, I, I have multiple friends that are pro referees. They are part of the you know, professional soccer referee association. They all refed youth games this weekend. I, I have guys who I'll have 200 games of MLS center referee experience. And they were doing U19 Academy games this weekend because MLS has locked them out. And you know, the referee performance that we saw uh, against LA galaxy, that's the standard. These are guys who have never refereed a match in front of more than a couple thousand people. And now they're on the biggest stage in the world. And, you know, we saw it yesterday. A referee got caught up in all of the noise and he paid for it. Boosie should have been sent off. Julian Gressel probably should have been sent off. There's a phantom red card to Mark Delgado that's going to get rescinded because he made no contact with Boosie. Mm -hmm. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't even see the notes. And yet that was the transition I was about to make. You mentioned it prior, but the conversation was so good. I let it go for, I think, 10 minutes. But, you know, we are, I'm pretty confident I can say, certainly in Florida, but probably in the United States, we are the only podcast covering the sport, most specifically we'll say MLS, that has like a certified credentialed football referee on our team and, and, and that's you traveler. And so, you know, you, you, you understand this world, you participate in this world. This has been something that has been swirling from kind of early into preseason until now about the potential strike. Just give just a, a very quick kind of overview of the current situation with the MLS, with pro refs and while we're seeing these, you know, I can't remember what, what was Flacco's name in the replacements? Keanu Reeves. Uh, is it Johnny Flacco what? in the replacements, the Keanu Reeves movie? Oh, no clue. About like the 1980-something NFL strike. and That's a great movie. If you haven't seen the replacements, go watch the replacements. But explain what's currently going on between the league and the, the pro rest, the organizations they've been using to, to coach all MLS games. So, you know, basically uh, MLS referees are represented by a union called uh, the Professional Soccer Referees Association. Uh, the... MLS 10 years ago did not have a union. They did not have a CBA with a pro, which is the assigner. It's a MLS funded organization that assigns, you know, pro referees to matches across the United States and MLS. Uh, That led to a referee lockout back in 2014. They got a CBA. Their current CBA, which was signed a few years ago, expired prior to the season and you know they're not asking for much referees are asking for a raise across the board mls referees are not full-time referees these are guys that uh, will do your match in front of thirty thousand people on saturday and then on monday morning they're teaching a science class in you know seattle washington so yeah they were asking for raises across the board and 
you know, very unselfishly, they were asking for raises for the lowest paid and inexperienced referees. Uh, the guys that are doing this on weekends and they're getting paid $13,000 a year. And you know, they're asking for better, better travel accommodations. They're asking for health benefits. You know, the referees who cover the most distance on the pitch uh, out of everybody, players included, referees cover the most amount of space on the pitch. You know, a professional referee will run 11 miles in a match. And wow. they, they did not have health insurance. You know, they had to pay for their own health insurance and... You know, what happens when one of them tears an ACL? They're on the hook for it. And, you know, they're asking for basic rights that the people that call and dictate our games and are arguably the most important part of this sport should have. And they, they do have everywhere else in the world. That's all they're asking for. And yet pro referees and MLS gave them an insulting offer where they only offered raises to the most experienced and already highest paid referees. Well, they offered them you know, four business class flights a year. Well, referees are taking anywhere from you know, 50 to 100 flights a year, and they're sitting in frigging coach. You know, and again, these are the guys that are then running 11 miles and determining the pace of play on you know, Saturday night. So... You know, rightfully so. They said that they were going to strike. Pro referees locked them out. Uh, we won't have any negotiations until Wednesday again. So we're very likely to see replacement referees who are guys that are one willing to cross a picket line. So they're already scabs. And uh, two, have no MLS experience. Pro referees is the only organization that gives MLS games. So at the most, these guys have you know, USL experience, and most of them have college experience, and that's games in front of 300 people. And now you're asking them to do a game with Lionel Messi in front of 30,000 people under the bright lights of LA shown internationally. That, that's a massive jump. You, know, you couldn't ask me to go do a U17 game on Friday night and then be like, all right, you know, now you're going to go center referee uh, Lionel Messi against you know Ricky Puig in a thirty thousand seat stadium. That's insanity, and, and that's why we saw what we saw on Sunday against the LA Galaxy, a referee who, from the get go, was out of his element, who was shell shocked, and it showed throughout the entire match. Sergio Busquets should have been sh you know sent off. Uh, uh, Julian Gressel sh probably should have been sent off. The one send-off we did get, he didn't even make contact. Mm -hmm. And the referee forgot that he was on a yellow card. Now, if you watch the replay, the referee shows the yellow card. Mark Delgado walks away. And then the referee stands there, puts his hand to his ear, because his fourth official said to him, hey, man, he's already on a yellow card. And then a minute later, he shows the red card, and Mark Delgado walks off the field. As he's pointing to his ear still saying, hey, you know, I just got reminded that you're already on a you know, yellow card. Mm -hmm. So if you want a better standard of officiating in MLS, you should be all for what PSRA is asking for and all for paying the referees. Oh, it's as simple as fair pay is fair play. And, and it's as simple as that. Man, also, screw Don Garber, screw Pro, and screw MLS for dicking over the referees. 
man. I feel like I'm, I'm at gonna, a union rally. I know. I'm going to have to like isolate that clip. But uh, we've known you for a long time, Morgan. And that might be the first honest, passionate, vulnerable, and lacking any type of sarcasm of anything you know I, I've ever heard you say. And it's because you, you, you are, in fact, a ref yourself, and, and you mean that. And, I mean, that was... And, you know, I'm synopsis. friends with these... I'm friends with these officials, you know, Chris Penso, Tori Penso, Rubiel Vasquez. It, there's countless MLS officials who are key officials that I, I've worked with these guys before. I've worked with them when they were doing, you know, U15 matches and working their way up the ranks. And yet here they are not getting paid right now and doing the right thing for the betterment of all referees. And if you want, better quality refereeing in MLS because I know everybody, Jay, yourself included. Yeah, I hate on pro you know, a lot. <laughs> that, you know, you hate on referees and rightfully so. You know, there's bad referees, you know, uh, you know, Fotis, you know, Bizakos, you know, that fat ass. I hate him. Oh, and I'm a referee. But, you know, if you want better quality refereeing, you need to pay these officials so that it's a full-time job. These guys shouldn't be refereeing a game on Saturday night, taking a flight on Sunday, and then having to be at work at 7 a.m. on Monday morning so that they can just make ends meet. Yeah. That's not how you develop referees. And it makes you know these 13-year-old referees that I work with now, there's no career for them. They're going to do this until they go to college. And then when they go to college, they're going to say whatever because it's not a career. Yeah. And it, 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 it's as simple as that. You want better refereeing in the United States and in MLS. You are all for what PSRA is doing right now, which is making this an attractive job for people to do in an attractive career path. Uh, I'll, I'll stop ranting because yeah, I could go I mean, on I'm, about I'm this forever. Jump, jump the gun there before you decided to to fat shame a ref. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh like, damn, there's Morgan. Is, he's in my heart. And I was like, oh, damn. Just, and then the, the rep. in the spin, yeah. And then here comes the sarcasm. We're right on through. Uh, oh, uh, that—that's not even sarcasm. Fucking fat ass Bazakos. I hate him so so much. Uh, he's a so, ref. He, we're gonna say he can say it. He's a ref. He, yeah. He what after what after this eleven miles a game? Yeah. <laughs> His eleven miles is like you know probably thirty miles to him after he gets his Krispy Kreme after the match. Oh my goodness! All right, all right. Again, we're a family so, show. Damn. Well, back all to right. The so Disney World feeling we're looking for. All right. Well, talking about a bunch of fat asses, we play Orlando <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how else to intro that. Besides that, hey, listen. You know, it's Orlando. Usually, I go over the club history. They they spied on a USL team. That's all they need to know. Uh, recent win probabilities as of right now: Inter Miami is at fifty seven percent, twenty three percent draw. Orlando City is at a twenty percent chance to win. Uh, if you remember last year, we notched up. Uh, two wins, one draw, two wins to total. I'm sorry, the entire head-to-head record of five matches. Uh, we had a three-to-one win in the League's Cup and a one-to-one draw late in the season, uh, thanks to a David Ruiz goal that was canceled out by Mister Duncan McGuire's. That's, I can't stand him. Talking about fat ass. There's one right there. Oh my goodness. Uh, We're a family show. Bring it back. Listen, man. I love your. I, I have when you do this. Though. I love your. 
your match preview stat reels. Listen, I have seven months of this to get out that I didn't get to do it. So you're going to have true. to deal with it. All right. It's the first episode. We're going to get the rust off. We're going to get yep. more appropriate. Sorry to the so, children. No, I'm not sorry whatsoever. My children hear this all the time. Anyways, uh, Orlando does play a midweek match in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. They should be resting, folks, though. Uh, they are currently up 3-0 on aggregate against Calvary. Uh, it's a 6 p.m. What's No, it's actually tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, and then it's a 4.30 kickoff against us on Saturday. Uh, they opened up their season with a amazing absolutely scintillating nil nil draw to montreal uh yeah not much to be really excited about in terms of getting hyped up for them right now in my opinion um going around the table i'll go last morgan uh, what i do mean you think it... the score line's gonna be and who's gonna score for us if anybody does it all uh I think it's two to one Orlando. If we play how we did against the Galaxy, now I think Messi gets us a late one, but I think uh, Orlando is going to have Luis Murillo, uh, Luis Murillo available, and you know between him, Duncan McGuire, uh, and whoever else is on that horrible team, and willingly went to Orlando. You know, I, I think that they have a lot of potential, and they're a team that is. You know, scary. They have supporter shield, uh, you know, supporter shield aspirations this year, and you know, I, I do think that they're going to manage a win against us if we play how we did against the Galaxy. Oh, if we can clean it up and catch them tired coming off of their Concacaf Champions Cup match, maybe we can squeak something out. But I don't have a lot of faith because I'll all credit to them, and I hate myself for saying it. Uh, you know, they are a good-looking team on paper. Now, I think that their nil-nil draw against Montreal doesn't reflect that just because they played in CONCACAF Champions Cup on the other side of the country only a few days beforehand. But now they're going to play at home on a Tuesday and then play us on a Saturday. Now, I, yeah, I, I'm worried about that match for Miami. So, Jay, real quick. Since we're clipping things that Morgan has said, can you just clip that part where he gave Orlando some positivity right there? Uh, we'll need blackmail later on. Caden, what do you think, sir, coming up? I'm going to go draw another one. I think one-to-one -one as well for this match. <clears throat> um, I think Orlando's good. I hate to say it. They've, they've got a real good roster. I think they've got several position groups where they've probably got a top-five player in the league in the position. I think Glazer's a fantastic goal player, goalkeeper. Um despite the diatribes Dan kind of gave McGuire, I think he's a great striker. I think he's got a future in Europe. Um, that's the extent that's the extent of the compliments I can give them. Um, I did see a statistic today that teams who played midweek for uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup performed pretty fucking terribly in the, in the weekend. I think it was one draw and five losses, zero wins, obviously. Um, so I think that's a trend we'll continue to see because it analyzes roster rules. Um, and hopefully it'll negatively affect Orlando enough where we can eke out a win, but I'm, I'm feeling a 1-1 draw. 
All right, Jay, come on, bring us back to some sort of normalcy here, because I don't think I can handle one more positive comment. What do you think is going to happen Saturday? Yes, I mean Orlando City's are really good. So no, I'm kidding. We're, I, I've, I've got us. I've got us a two to one. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I think we could we could probably see Campana get the start here, um, unless they're absolutely resting him for for CCC. But I think that'd be a mistake. I think the 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 issues we're seeing with Luis Suarez and his knees give that man at least like a week off. I don't know. He, he looks, he looks brittle. He looks broken out there. I would love to see Campana get the start. I think we can get a Campana goal. I think we can get a Messi goal. I'd like to see two versus one, whether, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't care who scores for Orlando city for Torres, Duncan McGuire, Cesar Araujo. It doesn't matter to me. Could care less. I think we're going to come out two one. We typically in the past, we defend the, the fort, right? We hold it down. We defend our house. I think we play well at, Historically at Drive Pink, <laughs> we'll see how it is at Chase Stadium. Um, but I, I think we're coming out uh, 2-1 loss. I, I think there's also a lot of fire on this team, right? They're under a lot of heat from the press. Is oh, they're beatable. They're not invincibles. Not that we ever claim to be invincibles. Uh, that's just all outside factors not following the team. They're just because we got messy. So I'd like to see the team come back with, uh, with some fight, with a mission at hand. So, you know, I'm going to go 2-1. Um, there is a whole world of of Concacaf Champions Cup to, to to get into. We will save that for for the next episode because we're we're running quite long already. But things that I just just quick note for the listeners: Wednesday, February twenty eighth at nine fifteen, Nashville is going to play Mocha. I think it's called Mocha. It could be Maca. I'm not really sure with all the Concacaf <laughs> pronunciations. So nine fifteen, Nashville SC. SE versus Mocha, and that's going to be that's going to determine who plays us um, in the next round of the uh, the Concacaf Champions Cup, newly rebranded Concacaf Champions Cup, no longer the CCL. Um, that's what we're looking for. And um, honestly, I don't know anything about Mocha, Mocha, whatever your name is. I'd rather play you than Nashville. So since you decided to skip on past me, thanks for asking, Jay. Sorry, I man. do have a thought about it. <laughs> yeah, nah, that's cool. Nah, that's cool. That's cool. No, actually, because you probably knew it was just going to be a bunch of, of, of bullshit here. But, you know, Inter-Miami by a million, baby. There About 10,000 Robbie Taylor bicycle kicks. And we're going to score a, a, a goal to goal goal from Drake. Try using goal to goal to goal that fast again. I don't think I could be able to do it. But jokes aside, I think I think it's going to be a draw at best. Florida's pink. I could, Florida is pink. Come on. Well, it, uh, listen, two of them think it's purple, and one doesn't live in the state anymore. I say it's pink, and I'm not even there. So sounds like you got some work to do. Um, but, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I never said it was purple. I just said we're fucking shit. Mm. Well, you did say that you love Orlando, and it's marked and quoted. Listen, <laughs> I, I believe it's going to be another gutsy LA Galaxy 1-1. Something stupid's going to happen, and we're going to have to respond to it, and then we're going to need to find a way to respond. And I don't know if we have it. If Suarez starts the match, we lose. I'll put that out there right now. Hmm. If Suarez starts, we lose. If Boozy goes more than 45 minutes, I, I don't know. I, I don't see us winning the match. There's a chance and, for Dondo can get his visa. There's a chance for Dondo can get his visa, and maybe give Sergio the proper two weeks he needs off to heal that ankle. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not out here saying that Busquets is out and out terrible. I'm saying he needs a rest. Yeah. And 
we do not have the backfill on our current lineup to be able to give him a long-term rest. Ruiz is good, right? Gomez, do you really trust him slotting over? Are you going to move Gressel, who I am not sold on? No, somebody call Lee Wynn. Someone see what Lee Wynn is doing right now. Uh, (laughs) Isn't he, like, coaching a women's team in, like, Korea or something like that? We'll pay pay him more. Come on over. (laughs) So let me ask you guys guys, this real quick, and then we're going to move on and wrap this up. Do you think Tata says, hey, Boozy, you need a rest. We're going to start Mota. I would be more inclined that he sits Suarez because he can barely walk off the pitch after, you know, playing 60 minutes. So I'd say that's probably more likely than Boosie unless Redondo. I mean, it's not even really the exact swap, but that's tough. I mean, maybe Ruiz. I, I don't know. I would love to see it, but I just don't know who would who would fill that slot. And God forbid he goes down for like substantial amounts of time because it'd be devastating. Caden, what do you think? I'm curious to see what kind of backline we roll out with. I, I want to see if we're going to go three at the back with Allen slotted in there. Um, I'm, cur- I'm just curious to see what Tata does. What are you guys' thoughts on that? See, let's play Gressel right wing back. Let's play him in his natural best That's kind position. of the point I was getting to, yeah. yeah. I, I want to see him Allen there. over Alba, I'm not sure. Maybe some sort of substitution in the second half, but I th- Alba looks looks fine. So I, I, don't, I think Alba can hold down either of those roles. To your point, if we go three in the back, and I was thinking about this after I said it, could you see Alvarez step up and play more in that CDM role? I mean, it's a bigger body. He can move. I'm not saying it's a perfect fit, but we're in Miami. We are the stereotypical Band-Aid bubblegum paperclip this till it works team. Potentially. for Since our inception, we've had to do this. That would I, probably depend if, if, depend if free Aries available. You know, there's yeah, pieces that are yeah. So you know, maybe you swap Fieri in there. I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna know that name until the announcer say it 18 times. Fieri, uh, Guy Fieri. That's what I'm gonna go with for now. <laughs> but but maybe maybe Toto in that CD. I, I hey, I can think of worse options. I'll tell you that much. He goes in the first slide tackle. Welcome to Flavor Town. <laughs> <laughs> Hop in. We're on the search. What was the question, sorry? I just had flashbacks to the bachelor party. When Does Tata have party. enough balls to, uh, to bench actually bars. bench some of the stars? I thought, I and the, the answer is no. Uh, Tata, yeah, you know, the only balls he's looking at are, you know, munchkins from Dunkin' Donuts. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that was going a complete different direction. And I was just, I was diving. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're welcome. Uh, No, you know, I think Tata plays all four of the stars, despite, you know, their performance against LA Galaxy. I think he's going to hope that, you know, a full week of, you know, training at home can help them recover. Oh, and, I think he almost rolls out the same exact starting 11 that we've seen through the first two matches, you know, for good or bad. All right. All right. I, I can't follow that up. Bring us something. We're, we're, we're losing it. 
I, I, you, you're gonna have to because he caught me so off guard with that. I can't. Well, unless, unless anyone I, I love, I love how I've done that twice in this pod to a fan. Yeah, just, just caught him completely off guard with some random comment. Yeah, just. Uh, whew, well, I mean, that was obviously a lot to cover, right? Um, first episode back, we're getting the rust off. I can assure you, we are a family friendly podcast. Every other time, except the, the first episode of a of a season. But hey, man, it feels good to be back. It, it really does. Um, excited for the season. Um, you know, we can achieve great things, or we can be a, an embarrassment. We have a, a, a target on our back. Everyone's going to be trying to take us down. Every single team is going to try and take us down. And you know, just brace yourself. Prepare for any time you're on social media. Anything MLS or footy related that you view that is not inner Miami directly related, like you're going to get, you know, there's going to be a lot of people out there just running their mouths, claiming this, that, the other. So, I mean, hell, we're buckle up for the ride. First full year of Messi 2024, season five of the IMPC. Thank you to um, Morgan. Oh, shit. Sorry, Trav. I don't know. We're, I, we would give up your number. It's right. You've called me Morgan the entire pod. And at this point, I've done interviews in like international newspapers. So, if somebody's going to come and kill me, might as well know my real name while they do it. Well, well thank you for the time, good sir. Caden, IMPC. Lead editor, real life editorial manager. I don't know what the titles are in that. that real, real, real life Greek god. Real life Greek I don't know about god. That one. Real I don't life. Know about that one. And check oh, out. We should have led with this, but check out Caden's article. He just put up on intermimepodcast.com. He's going to be dropping gems throughout the season. He's the one that broke the messy news before anyone else. That's factual. You could literally look that up. He's the one that broke the messy uh, hamstring damage that was denied or ignored by the club for so long. With those timetables, they did check out. So follow Caden, Delisa, and again, so damn happy to have our boy, the OG himself, Mr. Than Harrington, back in action, back full force with the fire in him, shaking his head because he's humble. So happy to have you back, buddy. And um, with that, stay tuned. Check. Oh, wait. Uh, Than, what are our handles now? Uh, you caught me off guard. Uh, IMPC underscore 2020 on Instagram. Enter MIA podcast on Twitter. And I will be working on fixing the rest because TikTok decided to give us a random one. So I will update that by the next episode. Good, sir. They will all be on our Twitter handle. And uh, with that, until we see you next time, as we end every single episode, I think the last one was four months ago. Vamos, Miami. I don't condone what Morgan says on this podcast. Vamos, Miami. <laughs> I partially condone what Mar- Morgan says on this podcast. Vamos, Miami. Vamos, uh, Professional Soccer Referees Association, and vamos, Miami.